The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. Now, we are a huge museum, but even we don't have space to display every single artifact in our collection. What's out in the exhibits are only the tip of the iceberg, to be honest, and today I want to take you deep into our archives to acquaint you with two artifacts part of the American Fighter Aces Association collection, which are not on display. I met with Amy Heydrich, the museum's associate director of collections, to chat about these artifacts, why a stick of gum belongs in an air and space museum, and also talk about the original owner of these artifacts, a World War II pilot whose name you might recognize, Jimmy Stewart. Amy Heydrich, Associate Director of Collections here at the Museum of Flight. Thank you so much for coming in today. I'm happy to be here. The museum is home to the American Fighter Aces Association Collection. Can you just give a a brief overview of that for folks who might not know? Yeah, so we are the um, official home of the American Fighter Aces Association. And with that organization came a large collection that involves both objects, archival materials and reference materials. Uh, A lot of the objects and artifacts are on display in the World War I and World War II galleries. Uh, But then we do have a number of items in storage, um, in particular, a lot of the archival collections. And these are the personal collections of these fighter aces. So you've got photographs, of course, um, their military papers, orders, uh, pilot's licenses, that sort of thing. Uh, And in particular of interest uh, would be logbooks that we have on some of the fighter aces because they actually document how they became a fighter ace. There are a lot of artifacts that are on display, but many won't see an exhibit, at least not now, uh, and they may in the future. Mm -hmm. And a couple of those, as as you were looking through, kind of stood out from a name people might recognize, but not actually. Not the same person. (laughs) So yeah, when we were looking at the American Fighter Aces Association collection and the things that are not on display in the Personal Courage Wing, a couple of things stood out from uh, one of our larger collections. It's the uh, Lieutenant Colonel James C. Stewart collection. So yes, his name is James Stewart, uh, and he went by Jimmy. Uh, but not the same Jimmy Stewart that we all know and love. There was a little bit of confusion there because both the Jimmy Stewart uh, in the American Fighter Aces Association and the Jimmy Stewart of Hollywood fame were both pilots during uh, World War II. So that caused a bit of confusion. They were both in the European theater. Um, (laughs) On several occasions, our Lieutenant Colonel Stewart received fan mail that had been misdirected. Um, People (laughs) addressed it uh, to uh, Jimmy or James uh, Stewart, and they were both in the European theater, and uh, he got some fan mail, which apparently he thought was um, quite humorous. (laughs) So amongst the Jimmy Lieutenant Colonel Jimmy Stewart collection, (laughs) I should emphasize, uh, are a number of personal effects, Mm -hmm. and two of them stuck out to me as just 
particularly interesting. And there were two small cases that we have. Yeah. So his collection is one of the more extensive fighter aces collections that we have. It included all of his his uniforms and his gear, as well as he was basically a, the squadron photographer. Um, he flew for the 56th Fighter Group, uh, which is one of the more noted fighter groups of World War II in the European theater. He flew P-47s and he was very interested in photography and really took almost, I'd say, a portrait style photograph of every single pilot in his unit. Um, it's a really fantastic collection. But we also noted that he did not get rid of anything. <laughs> so he um, donated a lot of gear and items that other gentlemen might have considered consumables. It's a little, it's almost surprising that some of these things, items came back with him. Uh, so a couple of things that we pulled out uh, were these two uh, small cases, one of which is a fishing kit. Uh, <laughs> so this was if you had to bail out perhaps over the ocean and were in a raft, uh, you would have a fishing kit to actually uh, fish in the ocean. There's a number of items in there. There's different kinds of lures, different kinds of fish hooks, different kinds of lines. Really, kind of anything and everything you would need to potentially fish in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> um, it's a sealed case and um, contains uh, anything you would anything you would need uh, in your tackle kit, except for bait. It's one way to get some fresh cod or something yes, when you're in the yeah, Army. Yeah, absolutely. Air Force is to bail out. <laughs> yes. And uh, the other one is a survival kit. It contains a number of items. Chewing gum, if you are very hungry, um, will help kind of stave off the hunger pains. There's mm. also a lot of other ration type items in in there as well as things like antiseptic ointment and adhesive tape matches the case itself can be used as a flask then some of the items in there are a little unusual there's things like bouillon powder that you would mix with water in the flask to drink dextrose tablets so things to kind of keep your blood sugar up one of my favorite things in this uh, particular kit is the chocolate ration on the back of this particular case there's a <laughs> list of directions for each of the items that are in there and need directions the, for chocolate. Yes. And under the chocolate <laughs> ration, it says to eat slowly as desired. Um, <laughs> that is, uh, that's a really great description. I don't think they needed instructions on what to do with the chocolate, but in this case, they did get some directions on that. So this, this actual case is still sealed just for a, a preservation standpoint. It would be a challenge if it wasn't sealed. Obviously the, the items in there are 70 years old um, <laughs> and are probably in very strange condition, but the fact it's a sealed condition container um, has sort of contained those materials. The air in there has never, um, you know, has never uh, caused these things to decay and to leak or rot as it might be. So, yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, I got a piece of chewing gum from a baseball card pack that was quite old. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah, what this lovely wintergreen yes. uh, yeah, Wrigley Spearmint would taste like today. 70 plus years old. <laughs> um, I imagine it's very hard. There's also some caramels in there that I imagine are in very, very interesting condition <laughs> within there. So. <laughs> yeah. so when people think of something like the Museum of Flight, obviously their first thoughts are the airplanes. They yes, think of these of really, really big things we have, which are part of our collection. But why is something like this still important? What what does this tell us about the time and the people? Well, I think, you know, aircraft, obviously, that is, we are the Museum of Flight. Those are the things that fly, and, and that's sort of the, the spirit of why we exist. But these particular items tell the story of the airmen themselves. These are things that they would have had on them in their flight suits if they had to bail out, if they had to, you know, they were wearing parachutes, if they had to jump out, they had to bail, if they 
they were in the water or if they were over land, these things would have saved their lives. They tell a different side of it because they're they're very personal. And if you can imagine being in a survival situation where this is this little kit was was essential, we can we can joke about the chocolate ration and and you know uh, the the chewing gum and things, but these may have been the things that saved that airman's life before they could get rescued. It tells a different different side of it, and and I say and I think um, a more a more human side of it. It's not it's not metal and it's you know it's it's not flying through the air, but it's just as important in telling the the story of aviation. What I like about the case is it also it doesn't tell you just about the person who carried it, but it tells you about the people who planned for the person to carry it. Yeah. On the bottom, I notice it says, "When no longer needed, destroy or hide flask and, uh, and all the wrappers, and, and all the wrappers," yeah. which seems you know obvious, but at the same time. They're trying to put themselves mm -hmm. in the in the shoes of somebody who's had to bail. It's a stressful situation. It might be night. They're in the middle of a country. They don't know. There might yeah. be gunfire all around them. And something like chocolate wrappers in English might give away their location. Yep. Absolutely. It's that, you know, it goes back to all of the, you know, like the loose lips sink ships uh, mentality is that leaving behind any of these items that have things in English um, that could be traced back to to U.S. servicemen um, would have been a very dangerous situation. So uh, it, it seems sort of redundant to put it on there, but it's important. So, yeah. yeah. You mentioned he was a photographer, too. Mm -hmm. Those candid shots, so to speak, are some of just the beauties of yeah. of. Somewhat, I mean, we have thousands of items in our archives, yeah. so it's tough to say it's the, the one of the yeah. key things. But well, it is. yeah, the photographs in his collection are—you can tell that he really, really took photography very seriously and and made a point to photograph all of his comrades while he was still flying himself. And one of the very interesting things in his collection is he actually had a camera with him at some point where he photographed his first confirmed kill. He was a fighter ace. He had eleven confirmed kills and. And he recorded his very first one. He photographed it. And um, that, I think, is a very unique perspective mm -hmm. um, that he was able to capture that. If you can imagine you're in a tiny cockpit of a, you know, of a P-47 is um, it would have been a challenge. And it's pretty amazing that he he managed to capture that. Well, Amy, thank you so much yeah. for taking some time out of your schedule uh, to come talk to us. How about uh, after this, we go savor chocolate as needed? Yes, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me today on The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. The museum is the proud home of the American Fighter Aces Association. Learn more about them at their website, AmericanFighterAces.org. The collection is open to researchers and anyone who wants to learn more about the fighter aces digitally and through our research center. Explore more World War II artifacts and meet Major Stewart and his fellow fighter aces during your next visit to the museum in our personal courage wing. You can find more information about the aces, the artifacts, and how you can access them at our website, museumofflight.org podcast, and just find today's show notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our episodes and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded us from. You can contact the show at podcast at museumoflight.org. The Flight Deck team is Justin Bregelman, producer, Lane Benofsky, webmaster, and Irene Jagla, content marketing manager. And I'm your host, Sean, saying we'll see you out there, folks. Music